Hello, you're listening to When We Had Cancer, a podcast where I, Sarah Marion, 22-year-old recent graduate of Brown University, sits down with former cancer survivors each week to listen to their stories since diagnosis. The purpose of these vulnerable conversations is to let survivors know we are here to listen and that it is safe to share. Perhaps these conversations can make all of us, whether we're healthcare professionals, professionals in training, or the general public, a little more empathetic to the experiences of others. Perhaps survivors will feel some solidarity from listening and current patients can find hope in hearing stories of those who have come out of their side. This week, week of December 16th, I am joined by Miss Georgette Reed Sela, um, who is joining me from Southeast Washington, D.C. Uh, Miss Reed Sela, do you mind introducing yourself? Why, good afternoon. Nice to be here with you. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about your story? So how long have you lived in D.C.? Uh, what do you do you know, in your time during the weeks? Okay, I've lived in D.C. for about 32 years. I come from New Jersey. Um, I'm recently retired from a over 35 years in hospitality, but I retired after 22 years at a Marriott Hotel. Um, I'm a wife. I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother. Um, Since retiring, I have made a lot of my life uh, on a volunteer basis between AARP and a few other organizations that I belong to. One DC is one of the organizations that I belong to and another one is called Spaces all having to do with serving the underserved in different areas, whether it's housing, um, birth to three legislation, um, and different kinds of things that are keeping me active along with, um, you know, just trying to fight the fight every day. That's awesome. So um, what made you decide to come onto this podcast? Well, I'm always very much interested in getting information about breast cancer out to people who may not understand that it's no longer a death sentence, that there are millions of people who have had cancer and, like you say, came out on the other side. I am one of those. I'm an 11-year survivor. Um, Mine was caught very early, and so I'm very grateful to have had a great team of people to help me through it along with patient navigators and such and uh, people who don't have cancer or have not had it don't understand when I say it is breast cancer was one of the best things that ever happened to me it just changed my life totally um, helped me see that there was a lot that needed to be done in the world that I was not participating in Um, and caring about my own health. You know, Mm -hmm. mothers, black mothers in particular, always put themselves on the back burner because they have, you know, other things, other people that are dependent on them. And so um, self-care and uh, awareness of my body and health issues has also come to the forefront after I had breast cancer. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, And I'm very interested to get more into that a little later. Um, So kind of starting off here, 
you mentioned you've been in remission for 11 years, which is incredible. Um, let's, I guess, go from the beginning. So do you remember your diagnosis? Oh, most day? definitely, most, mm -hmm. most definitely. Um, on my birthday, every year, I would, I had a routine. You went to get your mammogram, you went to get your nails and your hair done and celebrate the fact that they told you that you could come back next year. And um, the year that uh, I was diagnosed was in 2008. We were getting our son ready to go off to college, you know, and so you had a lot of things that were going on within the family. And I put, I did not have my mammogram on my birthday and didn't do my usual celebration. Um, you know, I said, I'll get around to it, you know, after all this is over. So uh, when we, after we took our son off to school and, you know, left him and everything, when we came back, there was a message from my doctor saying that I missed my February mammogram. Now, this is August. And... Um, is your birthday in February? Yes, my birthday's in February. And I should, the, he made the appointment. He's been my, he was my doctor for a long time and that I should just go and have my mammogram done because I usually don't miss it. And so I kept that appointment. Um, I had no indication that, uh, you know, in self-breast exams there was nothing that was unusual. I didn't have any of the symptoms because my uh, cancer was very early caught, caught very early. Um, and the day that, okay, so because at the time I had very dense breasts, I always had to go back for a second appointment. And naturally they called me back and told me to come in for my second appointment. And, but I, I was ready for that because that always happened. Mm -hmm. After my second appointment, they called me and told me that they needed to do a biopsy, that they saw something on the film. And so in my mind, I was like, okay, this is not what normally happens. Um, I went in for my biopsy, and then I had an appointment with a surgeon um, that, that they made ahead of time just in case. But um, when I went to see him, on the day that I went to see him, I already knew that they were going to tell me that I had breast cancer. And I remember sitting in Dr. Butler's office, and uh, he was, you know, hand, trying to do things just like he would normally do, but I could just sense that he was trying to get ready to tell me that I had breast cancer. And um, he told me. But in telling me, he also told me, if, if there is good news, it is that your tumor is the size of a green pea. And we are going to do breast conserving surgery. And um, it's, it, it's going to, you know, we'll take out a few nodes, we'll test those as well. And I think it's gonna be, you know, naturally he's putting a positive spin on it. Um, and I was good up until then, until I went out into the waiting room and there was a, another lady there and, you know, I kind of had a moment. Um, but just everything that he told me was, was right. Uh, I had, um, they removed, I had breast conserving surgery, 
which meant most people called it a lumpectomy. Um, they tested quite a few of my nodes, and there were there was no indication there was cancer in any of my lymph nodes. So um, it was very good prognosis. They did recommend that I have uh, radiation and not chemotherapy, and um, so I had you know after surgery. In fact, the day that uh, Barack Obama was elected president, I, I wouldn't have this. I wouldn't have this surgery until after he was elected. So um, the day after is when I had my surgery. And then when it was time for my radiation, I wouldn't have the radiation until after he after the inauguration. So the day after the inauguration, I started uh, with my radiation therapy. Um, like I said, uh, having breast cancer changed my life. There are people that I had radiation therapy with that are still my friends now. We, you know, we kind of hang out together every now and then, may go to lunch or something, see how, you know, each other are doing. And there are also those that made their transition who, you know, their cancer came back and, and uh, you know, they died. Um, so um, that's pretty much my, how I found out story. Um, and it, like I said, it, it has changed my life for the better. I went back to school. It was on my bucket list to go back to school, and I got my degree from University of District of Columbia in sociology in 2017. And um, that's how I got involved with some of these other groups that I'm involved with now because of contact with, um, you know, professors and things at UDC who, you know, helped me see that there was a whole other world out there that, you know, things were happening in my city that I, I guess I was in some bubble and didn't know some of the things that were happening and some of the injustices. And so I started to get involved in those kinds of things. Yeah, that's really incredible. Um, very, very cool that you stayed positive and you're still positive about yes. it. Mm -hmm. um, that you got friendships out of it, that you went back to school. Those are both very incredible things. And so I'm, I'm curious, I guess, how you think about how, and you, but you had such a drastic change in mindset, right? All of a sudden you opened your eyes, it seemed like. Like, where do you think that was coming from? Do you think that was more of a, you realizing what could have been? Like, it could, you know, like, how do you think about that? Well, um, being a wife and mother and having your youngest get ready to go off to college, in the back of my mind, I knew that since so much of my life revolved around them and where they were and to get them to the place that they needed to be, I did know I was going to have to have something to do with myself when my nest became empty because it was going to be a very dramatic thing for me because, you know, I'm one of those moms, it's always, you know, helicopter mom, always hovering, you know, make sure you do this, make sure you do that. And I think that's why they're at the place that they are today because they had parents that were very much into them. So in the back, like, I guess when he was like in 11th grade, I was thinking, you know, it's not going to be long. You're going to have to have something to do because he is going off, the baby is going off to have the life that 
you know, he's going to have, and you need to have something to do with yourself. So that was kind of in the back of my mind. When I got the diagnosis and uh, realized that, uh, you know, this was not part of the plan, but that I could perhaps use this as a catalyst to do some of the things that I perhaps was thinking about doing once my nest, our nest became empty. I gotcha. Interesting. Mm. How, um, you mentioned your son was going off to college. Yes. Did you get any sort of impression of how he handled things? How did you share the diagnosis? Do you feel like he also shared the similar positive mindset, or do you think he might have been freaked out during it all? We didn't tell him yeah. in the beginning. Oh, no, first semester, we did not tell him. Um, so when he came home for Christmas his first year, I think we told him then. So he was a freshman, um, and I think we told him then after exams, after everything, and we could put a positive spin on it, um, that everything went well. He was not as happy that we didn't share it with him right away. Um, but hindsight, I think it was a good idea. You know, freshman year is very tense anyway, uh, being away from school and, and being away from home. And although he was a social person, it was always out, you know what I mean. Still, the first semester away uh, was difficult, perhaps, for, as it is for most, an adjustment for freshmen. So we decided not to tell him, particularly because it looked like everything was going to go well. Um, we eventually did tell him, and uh, you know, uh, he eventually got. He understood after a while why we made the choice that we did. He he wasn't necessarily as happy with it, but he did understand that it really we thought was for his best. You know, for him not to to go to school and do what it was he was supposed to do, and um, uh, he was a Posse Foundation scholar, and so we thought that, you know, another reason that it was also important that he really concentrate on his studies because someone else was paying for his education, he had gotten a scholarship, so also vitally important, mm -hmm. so. And so, Sorry, just to match that up with the timeline. So you told him after his first semester, and so where were you in? I had already had the surgery, and in January, I was going to start radiation. Okay. But we had already gotten the results back that there was nothing in the nodes, and, mm -hmm. you know, that it looked a very positive, you know, thing. So, uh, Great, yeah. So um, going back, I guess, to your, the question about your positive um, outlook on everything. Were, were there any moments where you were worried? Well, worried, I, well, you know, the elephant is always in the room. Uh, I would, I would say um, after maybe 25 rounds of radiation um, and my body was starting to change because I, it was being radiated 
and I happened to look in the mirror at myself, full mirror, and, and saw what the radiation was doing to my body, I had a moment of breakdown. And uh, um, I think that that was one of, probably the, the second time, the first time was in the doctor's office when I cried. And then that was the time when I really just kind of let it all go. You know, I maybe had been holding stuff in because it was almost like, you know, going to radiation. You got up, you got dressed, you got on the bus, and, you, you know, you're going to be with your friends and, you know, in the, in the locker room and we're going to talk and, you know, kind of a party thing. And maybe you were going to go to a class after that because uh, the hospital had health cooking classes and yoga and Reiki. So, you know, you had an afternoon when you were just, you know, having a good time and not really focusing on really what the situation was. But, you know, looking and seeing myself in the mirror after that kind of brought it all to, you know, wow, this is, this is what my body is like now. Uh, but I've gotten over that now. <laughs> Yeah, um, I can only imagine. Mm. I'm curious, um, you know, I have an idea of what you mean by that, but if you could kind of describe what the radiation was doing to your Okay, I, d I didn't know how you would want me to. Okay, um, I, the only way I can describe it is I looked like I had been burned in a fire. It, it, my skin was peeling on the you know, on the area where my, you know, my cancer was on the right breast, and it was kind of black and crinkly, and it, it just, it was, it was awful looking. It didn't hurt, but it just looked physically like I had been burned in a fire. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, uh, you know, they gave me this cream that they use for burn victims, and I put it on, and you know, the skin began to peel away and new skin was under there and, and it started to, you know, heal. Um, so um, that's basically what it was like. And then you, you get tired after a while, after, um, I'll share this quick story if you mind. Um, I've been married for now uh, over 30 years, but when I had my cancer, it was like maybe 25 years, uh, something like that, 24, 25 years. And in those 24, 25 years, I never served my husband a sandwich ever in our whole marriage. I never put a sandwich down in front of him. He always had hot food. He always, you know, it's just something that I just never did. So I was at my 30th round, and I was really, really, really exhausted coming home that day. And I said, oh, I'm too tired to cook. And so I stopped at a local store, and they had subs on Friday special. And I took the two subs. And so when I got home, I told my husband, I said, look, I just, no hot food today. I'm sorry. I just don't have it, you know. I never have given you a sandwich for dinner or lunch or anything else in all of our marriage, but this time I'm just asking you to, you know, just have this for your dinner. So now pretty much we have subs on Friday, every Friday. It's like a ritual we have <laughs> subs now. So so that's, that's, it turned out to be a positive. <laughs> you know, I don't cook on Fridays anymore. <laughs> mm -hmm. so. I love that. 
shifting it a little bit, I'm, so you mentioned your community of women who went through radiation. Yes. Um, and how you still keep up with them, still mm-hmm. get meals with them. Are you still involved in any sort of like cancer survivor groups? Like, do you feel like you, you know, actively are still talking about it? Um, well, I, I don't belong to a particular support group. Um, I, I check in every now and then. Uh, you know, Miss Thelma Jones has a support group, and uh, you know, sometimes there are things in the city that are happening, but. No, I, um, sometimes it can be overwhelming. I remember like the second or third time after uh, I had cancer going to the walk on the mall and just the sea of pink. It was like pink from here to all the way. Oh, it was just like, and I was like, all these women have had cancer and it just was overwhelming. Not that they were all survivors there with me, but like all these people had cancer. And so I took a couple of years off where I didn't go because it was just, you know, the, the, um, the amount of people aren't getting any smaller on that mall. They just keep getting bigger and bigger. So um, in my own quiet way, I'm always talking to women about, you know, making sure that they have their mammograms. and. Uh, a young lady the other day, her mother and her grandmother and her aunt all died of cancer, and she has not had a mammogram. And I'm like, really? I'm afraid. I said, well, I'll go with you. It's nothing to be afraid of. I'll go with you, not knowing Mm -hmm. or wondering. And, you know, she's she's at a high risk, you know. You know, that's, uh, and she should definitely go. She should, she's well over 40. She's in her 50s. Yes. It's, I'm curious now, you know, I mean, I feel like it's, it touches a good point of um, just general awareness of health and risk of illness, right? Um, where do you think you learned how, you know, when, how did you know that you're supposed to get your mammogram early and every year? Well, um, I come from a family of nurses. Either you were a nurse or you were a teacher. And... Um, knowledge about health issues within the family was not shied away from. You know, um, I knew, you know, things that were happening with my mother and even my father. I knew the history on my, on both sides because it was talked about. Um, So when you know, that was before they started to change the rules. It was 40, you started you know, having your mammograms. And so I just was something that I did every year. And like I said, I made it a birthday thing where you went to have your mammogram and maybe you went to lunch or got your hair done or your nails done, you know, just celebrating life. And so that's just how we did it. I don't, I don't know. I just knew that the, um, medical information isn't a scary thing. For, it was not for my family anyway. We, we talked about things and we knew that these things, you know, and when something was wrong, you, you talked about it. If you, if you found a lump or if you, you know, something, you would tell someone or, you know, go see a doctor. So 
Well, after after my after my surgery was every six months. Okay. And then after seven years, I I'm annually yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm not right on my birthday, but I'm like a maybe like a month behind, uh, based on my. But like in March, I get it done. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Still do the same thing: mammogram, lunch, you know, nails and hair. <laughs> I love that. Um, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to share? I know that there are women out there that have seen something that's not normal, that they normally haven't seen, whether their breasts are seeping or they feel something, uh, and they haven't told anyone or they haven't gone to see a doctor because they're afraid. Do not be afraid. Go and see, because I'm proof positive that cancer is not a death sentence, that you can if it is something, you can survive this, but you have to get it early. It, you cannot wait because waiting is just making it worse. You know, you could be stage zero one now, and waiting could push it up to two and three and gosh forbid four. So early detection is the key and the cure. Also, I have changed my diet. The things that I eat, you know, the statistics are not wrong when it talks about the, the, the disparity between women of color and Caucasian women with regard to the ratio that although more white women are diagnosed with breast cancer, more black women die. High rate in District of Columbia is wards seven and eight. Get to a doctor, get someone to help, you know, to check you out and go and live your life, live your best life. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, that's, that's really, really important. Um, and I'm so glad that you came onto the podcast today. Thank you so much, Ms. Reed Sela. Um, and thank you listeners for tuning in to this week's episode of When We Had Cancer.